Hi, my name is Nancy Pappas. I'm with Senior Living Experts. And today I am joined by Patricia Stern, who is a licensed clinical social worker and therapist. And we met at a networking group called SPAN, or Senior Professional Assistance Network. And recently we got together um, to catch up with each other and talk about how our lives have changed given this COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, so Pat, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, thank you, Nancy. Um, as you said, I'm a licensed clinical social worker and I'm a therapist. I have years as a medical social worker and also years as a therapist, which is a lot of years. So don't put all those years together, but I have a lot of experience. I work exclusively with adults and seniors and people with healthcare concerns because of the medical social worker piece and also because that's kind of my sweet spot. I really like working with seniors and with caregivers and helping them get along and get their needs met. And right now, this is an especially difficult time for people, so I'm happy to be able to help them now. So glad to have you with us today, um, because that's the thing about uh, this pandemic. I think we all thought that um, we would just, you know, stay home for a couple of weeks, okay, maybe 30 days, and then go back to normal in our lives as they used to be, and everything would be just fine. And I think we are really starting to realize that that is not going to be the case. So help us, walk us through, um, this is probably one of the biggest transitions that anyone will make um, now that we've added this pandemic um, to, to any family who's dealing with a loved one um, and their health concerns. So one of the things I'd like to start by saying is that we have a lot of emotional responses to what's going on right now. And those are really, really important. And we talk about normal and the new normal. But one of the things I want to help people think about is that normal always changes. So that they shouldn't really be afraid of, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? We'll have a new normal and it's going to be so hard to adjust to. In real life, we're always adjusting to a new normal every day. So hopefully that makes it feel a little bit more comfortable. But the other thing I'd like to talk about a little bit, if it's okay with you, is just some coping skills for what's going on with the anxiety that people are feeling. And I know for sure, we're probably all watching too much news. So one of the things I like to tell everybody is, get the headlines, get what you need to do, and then turn it off back off from the media for the rest of the day, get only the things that you need. If it's okay, I'd like to talk about the difference, just really briefly, between fear and anxiety. Is that okay? Do we have a minute? Oh, absolutely, that, that's a good one. Great, okay, so um, on the news this morning, there was a potential sighting of a cougar at someone's house in the Northwest suburbs, I think. So fear would be if I walked out into my backyard and I saw a cougar coming toward me, I would have fear, I would be terrified. <laughs> anxiety is different than that. Anxiety is a story we tell ourselves about something that might happen. So anxiety is, what if? What if I went outside to get in my car and there was a cougar there? What if I let my dog out and a cougar ate it? What if? I saw a cougar in my front yard and I saw little kids playing nearby. So anxiety is about stories that we make up and they're problem solving stories. Our brains are there to keep us alive. 
So our brains want to do all kinds of things to help us stay safe. And one of the things our brains do is make up possible problems to solve so that we can have an answer. Coping skills for anxiety are to help our brains do something that works better for us. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So I, I would imagine there is uh, a good amount of fear to have if the cougar's in your backyard. Uh, <laughs> but anxiety sometimes doesn't serve us well if um, it, it turns us into the deer in the headlights and we can't go forward. Exactly. And sometimes that's what's happening now. And especially if you're worried about a loved one and the loved one is living in a place different from where you are. Maybe you can reach out to them by phone. Maybe if you're lucky, they have internet and they can interface like this. But sometimes people can't really access the internet or use it this way. And because I talk to seniors, sometimes because everything I do now is virtual, sometimes I only can talk to them and do therapy on the phone. Sometimes we do this kind of therapy instead. But if you are not in the house with someone, you really don't know how they are. And that's upsetting to people. So that kind of anxiety and worry about a senior makes it really, really hard for people to just relax. So things to help with anxiety are routine and structure. Routine and structure give our brains something else to work on. Go ahead. So let's talk about um, Let's talk about transitions. Um, you know, I help people find an appropriate community or home care situation, but I, I started to realize that I'm also a big part of what I do is helping someone through one of the largest transitions um, of their life when, when no longer that routine that they currently have is no longer working. Um, and they've left the pier, but they're not to the other side of the lake yet. Um, you know, what can you tell? you know, adult children um, who have family members that they see this struggle, that that routine isn't working of, of what they can do um, to relieve that anxiety, to help them, um, you know, get to the place that they need to be. So part of routine is consistency. So if you have a senior who's not with you, or even a senior who is, Having a regular contact and a regular communication at certain times of the day is very valuable so that we get to count on the fact that every day at three o'clock, we're going to be talking with each other. It's reaffirming, it feels good, and that consistency just helps us calm down a little bit. If that person is in your house, you can do other things for routine. You can have activities that you do. You can have, maybe you have a pet that you can share um, maybe walking outside with or grooming um, or just feeding, doing things like that. Sometimes your children are there, so you have grandchildren to do things with. Sometimes it's just you and the person that you're taking care of. And then maybe you can have some times where you're doing a puzzle or you're doing some other quiet activity in the house, but it's a schedule time. So that again, you have routine and you have consistency. If somebody is not living with you, you may be more concerned about how they're doing you can still make sure that you drop off groceries at the front door and wave, say hello, and you can do that at a certain time every day. You can go and pull the garbage from the backyard out to the front yard if that needs to be done and wave then. 
and you can have a phone call and if possible you can have a video chat so you can do things that help the senior feel that they're connected and also that they can rely on something happening at the same time every day or every day of the week. Very good. Um, any thoughts on what's changed in your practice uh, since the COVID-19 that, that's, that's different? Or do you find that it's just another one thing that, that seniors will now just have to uh, consider um, you know, when they're making any decisions about their health care? I think that for many seniors, it brings up the idea for them, especially if they're alone, that it might be nice to be in a place where there are some other people around, where they have more of an opportunity to socialize, even if it's not all the time, but the opportunity is there. If you're living in an area more like a dorm where you might see people in the hall or there's a place to get a meal with other people, that's pretty congenial and very nice. And I think right now, people who are home alone with no pet and no other person in the house feel pretty isolated. So that's, that's a pretty hard thing. In my practice, the people that I see, I may only be talking to on the phone because I see many seniors and those people may not have internet or may not be comfortable with doing a video. So we do a phone call and that's fine. We do a phone session. For other people, we do a video session. And at some point, I know we'll go back to seeing people in my office, but the way we'll do it is they'll wait in the car. I'll call them when it's safe to walk in. I'll open the door for them. Mm -hmm. They won't sit in the waiting room. So that will be our new, yeah. at least partial normal for a while. And I think in general, one of the things that I spend much of my time talking about now is coping with anxiety from the virus because people are so anxious about what their life can be like when it's over. Yeah, so you've got the anxiety piece and then you have the isolation. So talk to us about what isolation um, can do to someone. I know sometimes uh, people think, well, you know, they, they're getting the TV dinners and they have the television and they, but talk a little bit about what isolation does um, to one's health, Absolutely. mental health in particular. Absolutely. So one of the first things is isolation is stressful and stress kind of lowers our immunity a little bit. So we don't want to have stress in our lives. The other thing is that isolation is a little depressing. As a matter of fact, people need physical contact. We're pack animals. So it's nice to be around other people, even if we're introverts. The introverts I work with still miss being around other people and they are surprised about that. But the fact is that isolation can be kind of depressing. And the people that I talk to notice it this way. They don't say, I'm depressed. They say, I don't feel like doing anything. And I'll say, well, how are you spending your time? What's the structure of your day? And they'll say, I have a lot to do. I could go back to doing my cross stitching or my needlepoint. I was even thinking I might um, go back to playing an instrument. But even though I have the time now that I always thought I'd use, I sleep late and I don't do anything. And, mm. and so what I help them understand is that they're actually depressed. They're not sleeping well, they're not motivated, and those are signs of depression. 
So I work with them on things that will help them loosen up some of that and hopefully access some of the joy that they have in their lives. Thanks for bringing up those uh, points on depression, because I don't think um, people realize that, um, you know, caregivers, adult children don't know what signs to look for. They uh, chalk it up to they're just old and old age. Um, and yet, as you mentioned, it, it really can affect their immune system and, and their mental health is all related um, to their physical health. Um, so you know, what should an adult daughter do um, if, if they discover that um, their, you know, parent is, is not their normal self, but they can't really put their finger on it? How do they get them help? It is hard right now because there are some things that I might say like, oh, go get a neuropsych eval, go see a geriatrician. Well, right now, unless there's something kind of emergent going on, Nobody wants to run out and do those things. It would be good, however, maybe to do some long-term planning if you think that the elder person that you're working with is not really processing their thoughts very clearly. But we all have to be aware, without a lot of outside stimulation, we all get a little sluggish mentally. So I wouldn't panic, but I would try and put more stimulation into that person's life. Again, routine and structure but also maybe a little bit more contact, maybe a little bit more um, stimulation. And for that, I would say to those people, so I know you're not motivated, but remember those cookies you may, used to make when I was a little girl? I love those cookies. Could you make some of those cookies for me? Or remember that music you used to play? Remember those show tunes you loved? Do you have any of that music around? I'd love to help you play some of that music because it's so great. I would want to help people access their joyfulness, but also access things that will get them to move a little bit. And if it's possible, I would love it if they would be able to take a walk or if they can't do that, walk around the house. Things to help them kind of elevate their mood and also um, get them a little stimulation. There's only so much you can do from a distance, and that is the truth. But we can do a lot more than we think. For instance, a little girl down the block had a birthday and we had a birthday parade of cars and SUVs going down the block with kids hanging out the windows with stuffed animals and signs honking their horns and nobody did anything to transgress. Um, sometimes our loved ones, you know, depression can, can mimic forgetfulness, um, you know, so we're, we're wondering, okay, is this depression? Is it something, something else? You know, what would you say um, to that adult child in that situation where maybe they don't understand the gravity of this pandemic, um, their health risks when they have to sort of become um, the parent, so to speak? How, how do they deal with that? I get that question all the time. Well, you want to look at just the basic issues, right? So for everybody that you go see, when I used to do a home health social work, I would always look first at safety. So, you know, throw rugs on the floor, accessible phones, that kind of thing. And you'd wanna know for your senior that they were basically safe as well. You'd also wanna know that they had the things that they need to keep healthy, food, you know, basic, ability to open a window, get some fresh air, get some exercise, do those kinds of things. 
but there are there's a limit to what you can do right now because you really can't take your senior out at this point in time. However, you can start to think about whether or not your senior has had some sudden changes. Have they had a sudden change in how they're responding to you? They could have a UTI. They could have a, an infection. They could have something else going on. They could have changed, had a change in medication and this is how it's affecting them. There are all kinds of things that affect how quickly we process our thinking. And some of those things are things that your PCP, the, the par parent's PCP, can um, examine for and find some results and maybe make some suggestions. So for that kind of thing, I think you might need to wait a few weeks. If it seems critical, then I would call right now. There are a lot of telemedicine things that you can do. So you can have an evaluation if you can get the video thing going. You can have a, an evaluation by a doctor over the phone, at least to begin the situation, the, to begin the assessment. So I think that that would be helpful. Yes, that's a very good point that, that we want seniors and their families to um, always contact their primary care physician um, and not wait um, because, as we said, life goes on and we don't want other issues um, to, to, to go by the wayside just because of the COVID pandemic, um, especially if it's something as serious as a UTI or, or worse. So um, anything that you'd like to wrap up with today um, to offer our seniors and their families? We have Mother's Day coming up. Uh, lots of daughters will... Uh, will hopefully be seeing their parent, moms uh, in one form or another through a window or, or uh, a Zoom call like we are on today. Mm -hmm. I think if it's possible, a video call would be great. It's so nice to be able to look at your loved one and just kind of see their skin tone and their eyes and look at that smile on their face. So if that's at all possible, I think that's wonderful. But even if that's not possible, you know, a little gift on the doorstep is on the doorstep is really, really nice. So if we can have some flowers sent or a gift card, um, something that will later bring perfume or balloons or candy or whatever is appropriate, those things warm the heart. And we're still getting mail. And the senior citizens are used to getting cards, and we don't send so many cards anymore. So being able to send a nice card is really, really a special thing. And if possible, and there's still time, I think that's a really nice thing to do. So I would recommend doing that. And then definitely, no matter what, some contact and a phone call and just say, I love you, mom, and I miss you. And I want you to be happy and healthy. And when this is all over, we're going to have a special day together. Absolutely. And, and continue those, those cards and special treats even after Mother's Day. Absolutely. Um, while we get through this. Well, thank you so much, Patricia. You've been very helpful in relieving our anxiety um, in our new time of normal. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. Thanks, Nancy.